0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Right, I'm recording mine. Same. Hello, welcome... (laughs)
0: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by a very childish David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Uh,
1: very childish mood, very childish mood.
0: Good. I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of pep in your step you only get from two successive nil-nil draws. Um, we'll start with Preston. I was quite a lot higher on this performance than, than a lot of fans seem to be, but we talked about this afterwards, and I think uh, we need to acknowledge that I can, if I have, if I have a fault, if I have a fault, it's that I think I can be quite easily swayed by a good defensive performance and momentarily overlook the fact that they really did very little in attack in that game.
1: Yeah, if anything, my strengths are I work too hard and sometimes I work too well in a team and mm-hmm. I lead people too well. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, I, thought, I thought it was good. I thought what you suffered was we've had this conversation off air, so I'm going to have it on air to defend you slightly here. I think with a nil nil more than any other game I think the impression you can get in ground can be very very different from the impression you get watching it on TV because you see You see the bigger picture. So one of the players we discussed was Harry Toffolo, which you thought he had a pretty good game because you could see him stepping out of defence an awful lot more and trying to break the lines and trying to be between him and O'Brien, trying to be the ones to relieve the pressure by carrying it a bit. It just doesn't come over on TV in the same way, that sort of thing. So I've done it myself, Steve. I've been much higher on games than, than other people because... I think it's something I noticed and I was aware of during lockdown. We often had quite a different impression mm. to the games we were watching in ground to to other people who were watching them via iFollow, etc. So I kind of get it to defend you. Yeah, I think
0: I was still went too high on Toffolo. I gave him an 8. It definitely shouldn't have been an 8. And I probably should have given Tanani a 3, really, to be honest, rather than a 4. But there you go. We never get the ratings right. Uh, <laughs> people know my thoughts on them. I think they're a bit, bit of a daft concept in general. But there you go. Yeah. Um, doesn't stop us banging on about them all the time, um, but no, I mean the other thing that sort of played into that is all the research I did on Preston. I know they're a mid-table side, but they're they're in such a good moment since since Ryan Lowe came in. You know they're doing really well. They've only lost once under him, uh, and they've got some really really good attacking players. Uh, you know I've always been every time I've seen Emil Reese play, he seems to be a dangerous player. He was carrying a knock, so he only came off the bench in this game uh and that Cameron Archery they've got on loan from Aston Villa looks a right handful i mean he's he's scored again at the weekend and if you go and look at the goal he scored it's an absolute peach uh and he gave uh, you 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 messaged me saying matty pearson's you know, having a bit of a nightmare here, but I thought he did just enough to keep Archer, uh, under control, but only just enough. He was, he was a real, real handful. So with, with that kind of background for, for Preston and their recent results over the past few months, uh, and the fact, I mean, I don't particularly read into much into the town's historic record there. Um, but you know, for some people that, that might come across as a factor, um, And just the fact it's an away game, I thought a nil-nil was a very, very good result at Preston.
1: Uh, Yeah, heart-tricking, Pearson and shocker. Um, I, I think... I think that Cameron Archer is a really, really good player. And I think what happened there is eventually Pearson got the measure of him. Um, yeah. I think he was first half, there was a couple of times he was a little bit rabbit caught in the headlights. I think Archer is going to be a very good player at some point. Yeah, But yeah, like I mentioned this when we did the Facebook Live yesterday, Stephen. I don't know how many people see that. So forgive me if I'm repeating a point to lots of people. But I think at this point of the season, you can look at, we can now look at, groups of games in different ways and you can look at how town should be tracking. And I think rather than just always saying sort of four to five points every three games, I think you need to look at Preston as in that's now four points off Preston this season. Last season they took one season before nothing. And that is measurable progress. And Preston are always going to be like a really tough side to break down. They're going to be a really big physical challenge. And Town stood up to that and I think we have to mention, because of other things we're going to talk about in this podcast, they massively got away with a couple of things as well. Um, Mm. The Tom Lees handball in the first half. Please note, this is not me saying I agree with it. But that was a handball. That should have been a penalty. It's yeah. The the way the law has been changed and has been worded, intent is completely out of it. It would have been classed as an unnatural angle because the hand was up. It should have been a penalty. And then second half, as I wrote in the conclusions, <laughs> Emil Reese completely did himself there because if it had just took the contact and fell normally instead of going over the way he did, which was mm. sort of... Basically, I think
0: he might have slipped in his slight defence there.
1: Yeah, he was slipping, but he then basically threw his momentum forward and threw his arms out and the referee just assumed dive. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on the Pippa challenge just to forewarn you. But <laughs> if it had just took that challenge normally, I think they would have got the penalty. So Town survived a couple of shouts, but it, to repeat myself again on something else I said on another pod you do get those shouts when you're on a 13 game 14 game unbeaten run going your way it's when you're down amongst the dead men that's the stuff you don't get away with so mm-hmm. you you town are earning that luck and it was I, I just thought it's very solid performance though it was a different type yeah. of performance very solid performance and uh, you know I was more your side than the other if I'm brutally honest
0: yeah, where there was a problem was tsunami and Holmes both had yeah, quite yeah. quite poor games, especially Sonani. Um, so they they played. It was essentially it's it's hard to sort of sometimes to to put Town into a conventional tactical notation because they will play one shape off the ball and one shape on it, uh, which every team does to a certain extent. But with Town, it's it can be quite extreme, and they were sort of five four one off the ball. And four three three on it, which we've seen a few times this season. Um, but Silva Thomas would would push onto the wing, but when it was off the ball, he'd come back and basically become the on the right side of the of the of a back five. So the central midfielder in that um, was Denzel Sonani. So he would play on the right wing off the ball. Holmes was left wing, and then when they're on the ball, Sonani would sort of stay in central midfield, and and Holmes went to the left wing, and it, it we've seen that before. We've seen Sonnani played that role before. But for whatever reason, he just couldn't get to grips with it on Wednesday night. He was so, every time he got the ball, he was really ponderous on it. And I'm not saying he's been brilliant constantly, but it was a particularly poor performance. Because every time he got on the ball, he was really ponderous. Preston had just closed him down. He was slowing down the play. He was way too casual on the ball. And then they, they switched it at, at half halftime to put Holmes in midfield and Sonani on the wing and that worked better. So Carlos Corbran said after the game that they were struggling to get out of their own half in the first half and then second half they were doing a better job at getting in you know getting into the opposition half but then didn't know what to do in the final third. And I think Holmes did help them get you know, at least get out of their own half. But I don't think he or Sinani particularly did them any favours in an attacking sense, which, to be honest, is primarily why he picked those two players. So that that was the big disappointment. So I can understand why fans who obviously want to see, you know, you and I look at things from a very different angle to fans in certain games, and this is certainly one of them, where you and I are going, well, that's a good result, it's a good point, it's a clean sheet. The fans are going, yeah, but we didn't threaten the goal. And I think that's completely fair enough, to be honest.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah and I, I do wonder if we need to have a bigger conversation about Dan Elsonani, Um mm-hmm. because Town do have that option in the summer to, to buy him and I think we are at a point now where we've seen enough to say there has been a lot more of the performances like Preston than there have yeah. been the other way he does a really good job in certain aspects for the team you can pull some stats out that prove he's, he is they are a better defensive unit with him on the pitch but the yeah. problem is that's not primarily his job I mean you no. could argue it is under Carlos Corran because that's how he <laughs> likes his, his teams to play but you have to offer a little bit more than that and I think Dwayne Holmes has really shown this season that you can do both <laughs> yeah. you can you can provide an awful lot in attack and do all that work off the ball and that's perhaps why Josh Caroma is not in what we would both name as Carlos Corbin's best 11 right now. So yeah, I I do wonder if we need to have a little bit of a bigger conversation about Daniil Sonani and if maybe for the rest of the season, impact sub from the bench, bear in mind some of the options Town have got and have got coming in, whether that might really be where he needs to be now.
0: I think when Andrin's back, I don't think there's I, th- I think it's very difficult to find a place for Denelsoni in the do side. Do you
1: do you think like Andrew is obviously quite a flexible player, but he's done a lot of work for Chelsea on the left. So what would you mm. do? Switch homes to the right and have Andrew in left. This is the this is the issue. <laughs>
0: is you? I think you need to have Sorba Thomas on the right wing. I think there's mm. there's no argument to say that it shouldn't be Sorba Thomas on the right wing. And if Pippa's fit, I think he plays either at right back or right wing back. So um, I think you're then looking at. I <sighs> For me, it's probably Andrew in central midfield um, alongside, you know, if you're playing a four-three-three, 3 3 then you, you play him alongside O'Brien and Hogg because we know that when it's a three, the that Hogg sits further back and, and we'll talk about that later as it comes to, to Sheffield United. But O'Brien and the other midfielder will basically push on and become number tens anyway. So I think that, for me, that seems like the most natural place for him. But if you're playing a 3-4-3, then yeah, you, you probably put him on that left side, don't you, Instead, ahead of... Of, ahead of both Corona so right. and and, uh, and and home.
1: This is it, this is the slight, I mean these are good problems to have, don't get me wrong, but with Andrew and it's like 4-3-3 three, three, you've got to play him right of a three because the left hand side, that's Lewis's space. 3-4-3 yeah. three, three has to play on the left really because as you said you, you've you got to have Thomas and Pippa on that side in a 3-4-3. Mm. It's, it's difficult, it's not necessarily easy is it, <laughs> with this no. town squad. We had a lot of even at the start of this season, it was sort of quite easy to name what was going to be Town's best team, best 11. And I think over the rest of the season, it actually becomes increasingly difficult. And that yeah. probably leads us on to the team selection for Saturday.
0: Yeah, predicted lineups are getting harder and harder. I mean I got eighteen out of eighteen for, for Preston, which is which really doesn't happen very often. But before we move on, I do want to say obviously Dwayne Holmes has left out. I think Dwayne Holmes has had a, a good season overall and was going it was in good form going into that Preston game. You know, we talked about mm. he'd scored four in his previous six starts and you know, he's he's I think he's having a better season than most expected. He is quite inconsistent though. Like uh I, I think that's probably partly he, a function he, of the positions he plays in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I think the different. Well, the difference for me anyway is like Dwayne Holmes good and Danil Sonani good yeah. are two very different levels, and it, Dwayne exactly Holmes bad and Danil Sonani bad are two very different levels too. I I, I know who I would who I would put my yeah, stock in. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I think Holmes is all the positions that Sonani plays. I would rather play Holmes there <laughs> personally, yeah. um, but there you go but yes the team sheet for for the Sheffield United game I mean it's not the one I, I, any of us expected um but uh, and and you and I before the game were sort of ruminating and going oh I'm not sure about this because we've seen Carlos Corbrand make these kinds of bold decisions before and sometimes they've come off in a big way and sometimes they've really backfired in a in a big way and we were a little bit nervous about that team sheet so it's the four changes so out came Turton, Toffolo, Sonani and Holmes and in came Pippa, Karoma, Ruffles and Russell so I think we were fine with Pippa, Karoma, Ruffles um you and I have been you know obviously Pippa we know his quality Karoma I think given the rest of the lineup it made sense to to pick him uh because you did need a play with a bit of an x factor it didn't work out on the day but I think the selection made sense on paper Ruffles you and I have been big fans of since they signed him uh from the scouting that we did he looked like a really shrewd signing, and when when they signed him you and I said he looks like he could replace harry toffolo rather than be back up to him russell was the one that we had misgivings about and we have already received messages from people who who have heard what those misgivings were last week you and i sat here last week saying he's fifth or sixth choice center midfielder try to sort of calm things down and then (laughs) of course carlos gorberan picks him for a massive game his first ever championship start and also josh ruffles the way um but uh he did really well on the day I mean we, we have to we've already sort of given our misgivings about about <sighs> I don't think it's that either of us think he's a bad player I think it's just that we're not quite as high on the hype as the fans are no. with him I think it's right to say but we have to give him his due he did really well in this game
1: yeah he did and like I'm really glad the fans are as high on him as they are because that's mm. good and that's. Yes exciting and it it, it's not that we're sitting here like being miserable and saying oh he's rubbish it's just that like the Barnsley performance you know the caveats we put in the Sheffield United performance I thought was I thought it was good but admittedly again I'm not quite as high on it as some. I thought I thought he did really really well in certain situations but there was a 20 minute spell after half time where he just couldn't keep the ball Um, lost possession in that area of the pitch 12 times um, and Hogg next to him only lost it five and took about a third more touches on the ball than, than him so that's that's not to sort of be down on the performance or anything like that it's just that I think you have to remember this is still a young player who's got a lot to learn there are a couple of times he got caught on the turn there are a couple of times he was a little bit slow with the pass because championship football is not something you master in 90 minutes it's something you master in like 40 appearances 50 appearances it's it's difficult and what you do have with John Russell is like a mountain of Potential, quite literally, yeah. looking at yeah. him. He is gigantic. But you just have a, all the basic ingredients are there. He's got very good range of passing, very, very good at receiving it on the back foot and, and getting out of tight situations. His pace is an issue. There's no denying that. But you look what he could do at set pieces um, and he should mm-hmm. have had a goal. We'll we'll get on to that. Yeah, you know, all signs are very positive that there's there's a very good player there. With the butt. I still don't think we were wrong, Steve. I still think once Sandroins in and you have got Iting in the mix, etc. I think it it's like against Fulham. I don't know if he starts against Fulham, if if Carlos Corran goes a little bit of a different way. Um, we'll we'll see. But it was it was certainly a very promising ninety minutes, and yeah. the, uh, you know the lad has got huge potential.
0: Yeah, he does. I I thought it was a really good performance. I don't think it was just. He's very calm on the ball. Um, you know, almost to a fault times but um, but he's also got, there were some really nice passes he played for, so his first touch was just a sort of a little knock around the corner, the ball came to him up the byline uh, sorry, up the touchline and he just sort of knocked it with the outside of his foot round to Danny Ward. And he's he's full of those little touches. But he also played quite a few nice through balls for Sorba Thomas. And I really wanted to go through and, and pick out some some stats for him. But unfortunately, it's difficult to because those kinds of passes only get recorded in Opta as you know key passes if the player then has a shot. Yeah. A lot of his passes through the lines were for Sorba Thomas who would then cross. So they don't sort of get registered in a way that's easily uh, accessible but there were quite a few of those passes he had the he's obviously a danger on on set pieces as you say he probably had a, should have had a, a penalty given against him uh but i think that's a i think you said you know you talk about the tom lees handball and you described the uh the the foul on russell by uh by bogle as a var penalty and i think i feel mm. the same way about the tom lees one against preston the the handball but uh he was he was a real real handful uh i think there was a moment as well that the fans absolutely loved where he went charging through this is where he makes up for his lack of pace he went charging up the middle and uh, and John Fleck basically jumped on his back and took a piggyback off him mm. um, try to try to win the ball off him because he just couldn't couldn't get round him he just shielded the ball really well as he was carrying it so I think there was a lot there to like and you can see why fans like him and um, But uh, I think it was the other thing that hadn't really occurred to me. And I can't remember if I put this in the conclusions or not. It hadn't really occurred to me how much better he would look if you had Lewis O'Brien alongside him. Because we've not seen him start with Lewis O'Brien. We've seen either Russell come on the bench alongside O'Brien or the other way around in the FA Cup. But we know that O'Brien does the work of two men off the ball. Mm. For all we're praising, John Russell, I thought Lewis O'Brien was... Probably even better in the midfield. I oh, thought he was—he
1: he was better. Yeah, he was. He, was he had better. a fantastic game. He yeah. was, you
0: know, he was. He, he was had an, an absolutely outstanding game, but in that very Lewis O'Brien way where he was just doing Lewis O'Brien things and we've almost, mm. you know, we've, I, we've come to expect it by now.
1: Yeah, I, I do think there's a reason for that, though. I think the thing was they picked the right game to do this. And I mentioned this in yeah. the final whistle showing that when you have Russell, who has to sit a little bit deeper because he can't gallop up the pitch in a sort of Lewis O'Brien fashion. One of the things we've been complaining about is Hogg has drawn Lewis yeah. O'Brien back because Lewis has been worried about the space. But when you what you had was you had Hoggy playing a different role. You had John Russell mm-hmm. sitting, but with a better range of passing. So Lewis, the the space in front of John Russell, Lewis was happy to sort of patrol that, but he was also happy to wander beyond it because he felt that bit of safety with Hogg and Russell yeah. there to patrol it. So town was sort of trying to play it out of their final third but then there was almost like a trigger point where they would then try and go long or play the sort of 20 2030 yard pass rather than trying to build it through midfield to get Saber and and Pipper and and everyone else going on the you know on the shoulder which was I think it's really good to see it's not something town employ an awful lot because you do lose possession quite Quite a bit, just by nature. Not every ball is going to come off, and there was a couple that, like, were just within that whisker of it, of of it not paying off big time. So I think with Russell there, you can play a slightly different way, and I do think that's a big factor in why they look so good. Because I think just that slight tactical switch caught Sheffield United a little bit cold. You know, I don't think they were yeah. expecting that. I think they were expecting to just be able to get in shape and fend down off and they couldn't do that so I think Russell gives you another little bit of tactical flexibility as well and again I think that's why you like we're not going OTT but we're just trying to temper it slightly because I think there's some teams you just can't do that against because they'll just move into that space and they'll gamble putting men there I think the the comment you
0: and I both would make is I think springing him as a surprise in a game like this is different to when he's played five ten games and people are expecting him to and the analysts
1: have been watching him and what have you yeah Yeah.
0: so but that's the same as any player like yeah that's not a specific thing we're saying
1: about and if he's going to have a Career in professional football he's got to cope with that every, himself that's yeah, exactly is, what that's the yeah. arc that Sorbers had to go through that's the arc that yeah. Josh has had to go yeah. through isn't it so
0: yeah exactly but I mean we need to give I think a lot of praise for that selection I think it I think mm. everything that Carlos Corbran had in mind for that selection worked brilliantly I thought it was I thought yeah I, I thought every bit of it just did what it was meant to do. You had Pipper on the at uh, right back who obviously can bomb forward and, and we know what he can do. And he was able to play the, the two, the the line of four against a front two, which was absolutely disastrous against Reading for two reasons. One of them is he it wasn't really a four at all. Jonathan Hogg was dropping in, and I thought that was a really good use of Jonathan Hogg. That was his best performance of this calendar year. Um and it meant that he could step out when the when the opportunity was there, when when you got into the, the opposition half, and he could step out and become an extra man in midfield but it also meant that you weren't leaving uh, Lees and Pearson two on two with Sharp and, and McBurney to be fair neither of them are as anywhere near as, as quick and penetrative as, uh, as Luka Joao and uh, and George Puskas at, at Reading uh, they're different types of strikers both obviously excellent strikers but, but different types of strikers the other thing is Josh Ruffles on that left side you know you've commented to me before he helped out Nabi Saar enormously uh, against, against Barnsley and Burnley mm-hmm. and I think if you can help out nabisa you can certainly help out tom lees he's obviously is he's he's less i think he's a bit more in that specifically in that left back role more uh disciplined than harry toffolo who mm. is always sort of waiting for the opportunity to step forward um and i thought ruffles Again, another player making his first ever championship start. Looked like he'd played 100 games for to Siltown. He had a really good game.
1: Yeah, he's he's more of a system player, Ruffles, definitely. You know, he, he wants to work within a framework and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think the highest compliment we could probably pay him is that I don't think there was any step up or step down from Harry Tuffalo playing no. there he just slotted in almost to the point where <laughs> you you slightly forgot it was Ruffles playing because it mm. was he did everything that was asked I think one player I do just want to mention because um, you've mentioned him then I thought Tom Lee's was absolutely magnificent yesterday I thought he was utterly brilliant there was a couple of blocks there was a, a header late on a brilliant head clearance header I, I thought he was superb Tom Lees and I know he's not going to get talked about in the player of the year uh, sort of lineup because Lee Nichols is obviously uh, unbelievable. Yeah, Sorba Thomas O'Brien, has been Sober. completely eye catching. Mm-hmm. Lewis O'Brien is Lewis O'Brien, but Lee's has been he's been quite right up there. His his level mm-hmm. of consistency is just incredible. And uh, like he's had uh, weirdly, I would say he's had a slight wobble the last two games. You know he could have quite easily conceded three penalties, yeah. but he's just comes back as if absolutely nothing's happened, and I just thought he was he was brilliant yesterday, start to finish. I thought Pearson
0: had a really good game uh, mm. out of the two. So uh, there was a, th- a thing I saw recently. I think it was a piece on the Athletic about Vidic and Ferdinand, and they were saying you need to have uh, the best centre back pairings are a, a no nonsense one and a and a, a smoother one, and I think Town have got that with with Pearson and Lees, or they have it with. Um, with Pearson and Cowell, if if when Cowell's back, I do wonder, and we've not really had much of an answer to this, but I think there's maybe the but I it's hard to read the FA Cup selections I do wonder if they do stick with a four and they need to when Colwell's back which hopefully will be against Fulham although Carlos wouldn't uh, commit to that I think he's learnt not to try and put dates on 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 returns at this point but Colwell should be back in training this week so hopefully he'll be ready for Fulham who do you drop out of Pearson and Lees and I genuinely am torn on it I mean on paper I think you say probably drop Pearson because I think Lees has more to his all-round game but I could also I wouldn't make that argument very strongly and I, and if Carlos went with Pearson and put Lees on the bench I would completely understand that.
1: Yeah I mean they've both had a fairly metronomic level of fitness they've both you know I know Pearson's had a couple of bouts of illness I think Lees had a bout of illness as well but it, it's very very difficult and like I don't know. These are good problems to have. These are good yeah. problems to have. I I think in that specific instance, I think it depends a lot on the striker you're up against because... Yeah. Like, you can't really judge anything on Mitrovic next weekend because he's no. a Premier League striker. He's <sighs> earning Premier League money. He's, <laughs> without with, without trying to say anything too wild, but, you know, like, he's not testing himself in this league. He's a Premier League striker. There's a reason he's got 30 goals. That's because he could play at a higher level. So you can't really judge anything on going up against him but you look at other strikers in that league as on saturday and you think well yeah different combinations for different if you if you've got if you're going Needs. to come up against a younger you know a younger quick thinking very fast centre forward i think you have to have colwell in there for his recovery pace i think there's some games where you you may even consider not having colwell which is crazy when you're talking yeah. about a potential future england captain well that's something that we're
0: yeah that we've that we've we were really worried when Colwell got injured and it became clear he was going to miss sort of five six games. It was like oh they've struggled to cope with his absence before, but they've they found a good way you know they found a way to do it. Yeah. They've they kept four clean sheets in the last four games and yeah okay one of them was against Barnsley in the cup and Barnsley oh, mind you they beat KPR the other day so, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know and one of them was against Ten Man Derby, but still they've also kept clean sheets against a good very good Preston and a very good Sheffield United side. Sheffield
1: United have scored 10 in their last 5 games. Yeah. You know, like that I think and I think it's actually if you look that that over since Heckenbottom's come in, I think they're averaging a couple of goals a game. So it's no mean feat to keep a clean sheet there. At all, yeah. I think the only other side who've done it since he came in were Derby, and obviously Derby are a very specific set of circumstances. To be brutally honest with you, so yeah, yeah it, it's no, it's no mean feat. And I think that to just go back to Ruffles a little bit, I think the good thing about Josh Ruffles is. He is more of a system player, so he can come in and he can play. I would wager he can put in exact same performance next to Tom Lees as he can next to Levi Carwell, mm. as he could in truth next to anyone else because he just wants to go about his business in a sort of you know, quietly effective way that benefits the system, and I think that's great. And I think, like, let's be honest, Harry Toffolo getting dropped yesterday, which is what it it was, yep. he was he was dropped, you can't frame it any other way, has been a little bit of a while coming because he's not been in great yeah. form and we've discussed it at various points and there have been games where he's looked a little bit back to himself, but he's been sort of wandering forward into space, he's not really had enough intent in his game and to be honest with you, I don't see any reason why you would necessarily now say Harry Tofflow is undroppable and has to start every game, which again... Mm. It's an unthinkable situation over, you know, compared to last season, isn't it? But yeah. that is that is the reality now, and I think Toffolo really has got to has got to up his level a little bit because there is serious serious competition there that side now.
0: I really think that his performance against Reading probably made up Gorbrand's mind that if he was going to play a four against a two, even even knowing that Hogg was going to drop in, if he was going to play that system against Sheffield United, it had to be Ruffles and not Tuffler. But
1: Particularly when you got Pippa, the other side as well, yeah. who, who, I who mean, we Pippa know wants yeah. to play. He wants to play 10 yards ahead of the defence, but you need to give him a bit more license to because to be frank he's a bit better doing it yeah
0: he's and he's much better generally speaking much better tracking back his tracking back is excellent he gets he's so quick he can get in position um even if he does you know Ed maraud upfield he's much better able to to get back and, and cover that space um but no, I mean, go, going back to, to Corbran, I mean, it, you to say you and I were sitting there going, not sure about the selection and it to sort of, I thought that was one of the best balanced team performances of the season. And the fact it didn't result in, in the three points is largely down to all that, that look we've talked about over the past few weeks sort of came back on them in this one game. There were three instances where they probably should have had at least a penalty if not a goal i think the having watched that ward instant many many times i think the right call on that probably is he is offside as much as he doesn't intend to be in and knows nothing about it he is offside and interfering with play so you probably give a foul against um against Baldock for his foul on ward and it's a penalty i don't think you can give the goal by the letter of the law as as unjust as that seems uh but and, and I mean, do we want to talk about that incident, Dave, or I think everyone's on the same page already, aren't they?
1: Yeah, uh, I've got a... Um, we re- we recorded a little bit of how the sausage is made. We're currently recording this on a Sunday lunchtime. I've got a piece going up this afternoon which is just literally cribbing pundits who are on TV watching the game, who are all in universal agreement that if it's not a goal, it's a penalty. There is no scenario other than one in the referee's mind where it ends up being a... Um, being a free kick on the for a foul on the goalkeeper the one thing i would say there is like we always criticize Refs or we try not to we very rarely go into like refereeing decisions and we really try not to go into officials but he's had absolutely no help from his linesman then because I've watched it back a couple of times and his linesman's looking clear across and there's nobody in the way of the pull on ward so I know he can't see everything and cover everything but at the same time one or the other should be catching that if I'm brutally honest even if they're not, they should be weighing the odds up as to why is Danny Ward on the ground like that behind the goalkeeper, like what positive action can he take, what is the gain mm. for him for to put himself in that position, absolutely none, so he's clearly been rolled there, but yeah, yeah. It's a bad one. The second one, the pull, again there was universal agreement it's a penalty, but I am with you, I do think that's a VAR penalty, I don't think you get Get them given in the championship. I don't think I don't
0: think any of us in the press box saw that live. We all just saw it on the telly afterwards.
1: Yeah, and and I think that it's one of it's one of them. I hate like I don't want to talk in cliches, but I think if they brought VAR into the championship tomorrow, that's a penalty you would see in every other game for the first month to six weeks, like you saw when it came into the Premier League. Where because if you look at the moment in a championship box at a corner, I would say if you look hard enough, a good third to half of them you're probably going to find something that you could justifiably say okay that's a penalty but you have to look for it you see and that's what that's the difference isn't it so Mm. yes it's a penalty but i completely understand why it why it isn't given but then the third one you have your view and then i'll have (laughs) mine
0: i think it's i think it's a foul twice. <laughs> I think it, it's um, it's who is it? It's Egan and Robinson, isn't it? Yes, and it's they, Robinson
1: it's the one who gets nutmegged. Yeah,
0: and they're coming in from either side. There's maybe a touch on the ball for the first challenge, but then the player, I think it's Robinson, comes from the other side and just basically just kicks him in the ankle. Mm. And and to me, I th- I thought it was yeah. I, I I'll I, hand on heart in the ground. I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought it was a dive. <laughs> But then when I've seen the replays I've gone, oh that's a cast iron penalty, probably twice. And I think that might lead into what you're about to say, I imagine.
1: This is the problem with it. I have I've watched it this morning. Like I've watched the whole game again on basically times two speed and picking out various instants and slowing it down to watch them properly. And basically like the Emil Reese problem in the week. It's Pippa. Does it to the same degree? He the first challenge comes in, and there's not really enough contact there because I mm-hmm. think they both touch the ball pretty much at the same yeah. time. It's tight. There's no definitive angle that proves that. So if if Town fans want to prove, you know want to argue with me on that, Back I'm not going to argue left. with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. But the second one, the contact comes in. It's clear contact. The ball has gone through his legs, so it's a penalty. But the problem is, the contact comes. And Pip doesn't actually go until just after the contact. And then if you look, he flicks his leg up and goes down. And the problem is, it's that thing about just take the contact naturally and go down and you get the penalty there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when you play for it and you flick the leg up and you roll round as you're doing it effectively so you can look at the referee to see if he's going to give it, you're doing yourself no favours. And... In ground, you weren't the only one. There was a couple of people in the press box because there was a little bit of debate as to whether it was a dive or not. And the problem is you have to understand that we're then looking at replays and going, "Okay, there's likely two points of contact there. The second one is certainly enough toward the penalty. It should be a penalty. But if the player frames it like that, The referee is watching it real time and has only got one chance to make a decision. So again, like VAR, undoubtedly gives that penalty, but at the same time, it's a classic case of one thing can can be that two things can be true at the same time, which is exactly the same as Lee's on Reese. It can be a penalty and it can be a dive at the same time, and that's Mm. in all honesty, that's what I thought. It was, and there's no doubting it should have been a penalty. There's no doubting VAR awards it, but also in my mind... Unfortunately, the the single biggest reason it's not being given is the way Pippa chooses to go down and just flick his leg back out. And
0: and I I do wonder if he's earned a bit of a reputation for doing that as well. Well, uh, he does he does have a tendency. I'll be honest to.
1: Um, listen, I don't I don't know. I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think that if I'm brutally honest. But I could totally see it. What I would say is that referees talk mm-hmm. and Town have just got away with three pretty cut and dried. Certainly two of them, the, the, the two tackles from Lees, maybe not the handball, but yeah. the two tackles from Lees were pretty cut and dried. You do wonder if the referee had his, in his mind, you know, it, <laughs> not a levelling up process, but almost an unconscious bias, essentially. Because mm-hmm. its it, they're humans, and that's human nature. The Barnsley
0: disallowed gold as well.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it's just... And this isn't some overarching conspiracy or anything like this. This isn't <laughs> a conscious thing. It's just subconscious feeling. But I do, I do think Pippa has done himself out of that penalty himself, if I'm brutally yeah. honest. I wouldn't for a second debate whether it was a penalty or not. It was. But I'm saying... It, Take the con- yeah. I think. I think if Danny Ward is in that situation, he would go down a different way and get the penalty there. If I'm brutally yeah. honest, that said, Town could have got all three penalties <laughs> and missed all three. So, yeah, and, and that's a very real and very worrying scenario, for Huddersfield <laughs> Town fans. I yeah,
0: I thought it was a really good performance on the whole, though. I thought they deserved more. Um, they. <laughs> They owe a lot to Lee Nichols that they still got out of it with a point and a clean sheet. Uh, It was a brilliant save. And it was one of those saves where you're almost not sure if it was a save because you I had to Convince
1: someone in the press box? No, he did actually get a hand to it. Um, do you right? on Honest thing on that save specifically. Do you think he stuck the foot out to divert the ball away after deliberately? Because no. again, I <laughs> yeah. See, I've watched it this morning, Steve. Like I, I, I've, I've watched it five or ten times, and I don't for a second think he thinks, "Oh, the ball is there. I'm going to raise my oh. foot and clear it out the area." But as it comes back there's a very clear and distinct reaction I think just like a complete instinct Reflex, reaction just yeah. to just to try and get something on the ball and I I I think it it might be deliberate mm. which makes it even better in
0: my there humble you go. he's having a brilliant season I mean yeah. He's, he's a player we don't talk about a lot because it's hard to sort of talk about, <laughs> it's hard to put much analysis on goalkeepers, particularly when it's so obvious that, that they're doing so well. But I mean, he's got the most clean sheets in the championship, despite the fact that Town don't have a particularly brilliant goals against record. It's perfectly good, don't get me wrong, but it's, you know, it's not amazing. But yeah. the clean sheet record, he's got the most of anyone in the, in the division. He's absolutely deserved it. Uh, I think he's... He dominates his box. It's everything we've said a million times before. You know, he's he, he, Carlos, after the game, was talking about there are games where you need him to make loads of saves and he doesn't like those. And there's games where he doesn't need to make loads of saves and, and those are the ones he likes. And, and it was one of those games yesterday. That was really the only massive moment where he had to, you know, was massively forced into action. But the way that he just controls his box, when a ball goes in, you just know he's gonna claim it. <laughs> and and, you know, you and I had the discussion. Can you think of a time where Lee Nichols has made an error this season? Um, like a, a serious mm-hmm. error. And the only ones we could think of were he went for a punch and didn't get to it in one of his first yeah, appearances? I think
1: I think it might have actually been his first game. It was late on in the game and he came out and completely missed the ball basically and I think it was Lee's just swept up and it was it was dealt with
0: and the only other one I could think of was letting the ball go under his foot against Forrest um, which he then uh, ran back and, and stopped it from going in and that's it, the entire season um, he's, he's having such a, a brilliant campaign he's such a key player for Huddersfield Town um, and yeah, I think there's, there's not really much more we can add to that unless you've got something Dave
1: no, I've I've got a piece going up on him first thing tomorrow morning. Well, um, just with some quotes and and some stats. Really, he's he's second in the league for save percentage, and uh, the the lad who's ahead of him, Hull's keeper, has played less than half the amount of time in the first team. But it's Nicholls' level of consistency is is quite remarkable, really, and. Uh, I often get a comment or two that we can be um, too easy on the club in some respects I don't think we are I think we're just analytical so where people want us to weigh in on certain things we have to look at the whole picture I think the recruitment team deserve a lot of praise for their work over the summer. But with Lee Nichols to get a keeper who wasn't even making the MK Dons bench at times last season, I think it's quite remarkable to now have genuinely a top three keeper in the league by the metrics by which they're measured. That is a remarkable piece of work to pick that player up for a free. Um, it, was, it was
0: head of goalkeeping. Paul Clements was was the man who brought his name. Good, old Clem. good yeah. old Clem. Yeah, Clem. And um, there
1: are. Don't get me wrong. Me and you both think he needs to work on his distribution. And I thought he was better. Uh, yeah, actually. I think he is getting better generally. I think he needs to work on that. But yeah, he's he's just. What you the the very best keepers you don't even think about. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? You don't even think about. You just trust them to do your job, and I think that's yeah. where we are with Lee Nichols. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could keep going on naming individuals for this game. I I think the where things did fall apart a little bit, unfortunately, was Josh Caroma and. <laughs> He's a player that we've been quite critical of this season and it's almost at a point where it's like, I feel like we're singling out Josh Coroma for criticism quite a lot this season. But I think this game, it's kind of unavoidable. Um, I think you had it spot on when you said to me, he had all mostly had the right ideas. There was one move where they got sort of a four on one with him being on the ball and three runners ahead of him. And he didn't even look up and see what was ahead of him. Um, and I thought that was poor because if he'd played any of those players in, it's a goal. But other than that, he had the right ideas. He was getting in the right positions. He was trying the right things. They just his touch just wasn't there. His final yeah. ball just wasn't there. It was just one of those days for him, and it it happens. You know, you see Mo Salah will have hours of games where where he's like that. It, it's a sort of a hazard of the job for a, for a winger. So we're not sort of getting on at him. But yeah, I think that that was a large part of the reason that Town didn't find that breakthrough because a lot of their movement, unlike against Preston, you know, I think the reason why we and the fans are so much more encouraged by this Sheffield United game, despite the fact that the EXG is only about half a goal, is because there were lots of moves that didn't result in shots, as we mentioned earlier, but easily could have done if that final ball had just been right.
1: Yeah, it's also the Russell thing that you we were talking about, playing that ball over a little bit more distance. There are a couple of times where they were just within a fine margin of it really coming off big time Sheffield
0: United defended really well I would say as well their centre backs were excellent on the day
1: I think there's a couple of things with Caroma I think he I don't think the system suit gets the best out of him if I'm brutally honest but this is the system that Huddersfield town now plays so he needs to adapt but also I think he's a confidence player and he's not you know, his his level of confidence is not where it needs to be no. at the moment. You can see us taking one touch too many. Ev- Precisely. Every the, Barnsley the, ball, game, the Barnsley game was the epitome of a player who is just desperate to try and score by any means possible just because he thinks that's going to magically bring back all his... That's going to restore all his power. And like a lot of people, we copped a little bit of flack for points for saying it was an infuriating performance because a lot of people saw a player really trying and really trying to get something from the game whereas we saw somebody taking a lot of shots from a lot of angles and a lot of positions where it was just never gonna it was never gonna happen I I think Karoma's good enough to to come again it's not like it we're worried it's a long-term problem or anything like that is it he's he's a very very good (sighs) footballer I think
0: I think it's I don't know. I, I think it it kind of is a long term problem over the course of the season. I think he has had a lot of performances like this this season. In truth, where last season he he, he was just playing very instinctively, as you say, it's the confidence thing. I think I said this. Do you to think someone, it's the system? I think it's partly that, but I think it's also. I said to someone yesterday, he had a really good season last year, and that applied both sides of his injury because he came back from his injury and, and you know it was like he hadn't been away, he was scoring again. But I think i think we kind of forget that he before this season had what about 20 championship starts under his belt genuinely something something like that number yeah it was yeah, yeah. um he's played something like 50 60 games at this level um all together so maybe a bit more than that but in terms of starts it won't be more than that certainly no he's come from non-league he's 23 years old just turned in november well i suppose that's four months ago now but he's he's a young player who's still learning his way at this level and i think you need to expect a certain level of rawness and inconsistency out of him i think that's only natural 56 championship games there you go including appearances from the bench so i think it's natural it would take him a bit of time to to learn this level um and that he might have dips like this he is a bit of a he's not a precision tool he's a bit of a blunt instrument he's He's the kind of player who you probably need to give him four or five shots before he'll get a goal, but he'll just keep trying and hammering away. um But I think he was the right, as I said earlier, the right selection for this game on paper, because when you look at what was behind him and what was either side of him, you needed to have that player who had that goal threat in this side, because otherwise, I think there's a risk that, particularly with Ruffles behind him, there's a risk that it becomes a bit. Um, Everyone doing their jobs. Everyone's working the system, but no one is doing anything out of the ordinary and, and you know, and unexpected. So, I think it was the right decision to keep him in, um, rather than Dwayne Holmes, who is a bit more of a system player. But um, yeah, it, it just wasn't his day.
1: No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But I, I think he'll have others. I think I, yeah, I, like he, firstly, he's he's twenty three till he's twenty four. That's a fact, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. But. You're exactly right, he is a young player, he has he has got to learn a little bit and I think we were worried that, not that Carlos Corcoran had given up on him but we were worried that his work off the ball was really costing him in Corcoran's yeah. mind for a while. I think he's working really hard to try and put that right and I yeah. think it's perhaps costing the other side of his game a little bit at the moment but I, I still think there's time for him to find the balance.
0: Yeah, I think he's sort of, unlike other players maybe like that discussion we had about Sonani earlier where we're saying maybe it's time for him to have a spell out the side i think and we've said this before we've been saying it all season to be fair Karoma is is the kind of player who you you just persist with him because yeah you you just feel like there's a you just feel like there's a chance that he'll finally hit hit that run get his confidence going and then he'll score four in seven you know um and Yeah, I mean, as I say, maybe when Andrean is available, that becomes a different discussion. Mm. But for the time being, I think for games like this, you need to have him. I I think, I thought the front three all did their, in terms of the runs they were making and things like that, were were excellent. I thought Danny Ward, particularly first half, had a really good game. If there were two players I was a bit harsh on, it was probably Danny Ward and Zorba Thomas. But I just felt like I couldn't give them more than a six. Which is, again, to reiterate, an above average mark, just because I feel like you need to have an end product before you can, you know, you need a goal or an assist before you can, uh, before I can bump them higher. And maybe that's a bit harsh on Sorber Thomas in particular, given that he basically did have an assist, but it was. Unfairly yeah. ruled out by the officials, but I mean, the big thing out of this game for me is it, it. It was a very, very convincing display against a very, very good side who are going to be right up there in the promotion picture. You're going to think, you must think, on on current form, they came in off the back of four consecutive wins, Sheffield United. So to come out of that game saying, Do you know what, they're really unlucky not to get a win there, gives me an enormous amount of heart going into knowing that they've still got games against other. Big teams, other promotion chasers still to come. Because coming into this game, I was like, mm, I'm not convinced that they're going to get those two or three wins they need from those games against the big boys after that game i'm now feeling yeah why can't they
1: yeah i it fulham feels like a bit of a free hit but it's mm. a lovely game to bounce out of this into that one because I, yeah it uh, i think you have to change things against fulham because i i think they're i think if you played that way against fulham i would really worry about that that gap you leave so- between.
0: Quick, aren't they? Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll spin you around.
1: Yeah, as if you leave a gap like that in the pitch, it will only take them fifteen minutes before they realise it and then really work on exploiting that for the next seventy-five. So I think you you have to be very careful. But I don't. I said on I said on extra time. I don't think even the Death Star had an exhaust port that was uncovered. I think there are ways you can hurt Fulham. I think there are, and I think teams have. And they've got over yep. that spell of they had that month where they were just battering teams like left, right, and centre. They're sort of over that. They've settled a bit. So I, th- I think Town can hurt them. But like it, I said, we said we had a chat about it yesterday. And the thing we said that Town can't do is go and lose like six nil. And I don't think they will. I think if they lose two 0 at Fulham with their resources I think you go okay okay that's fine it's not that
0: it's not that Fulham are unbeatable it's that if they play their best they will beat anyone in this division
1: yeah it's it like you don't need to read Soconomics to work out that a wage bill that I would say conservatively is probably about five times that of Huddersfield Town should win on the Mm -hmm. day. That's just the reality. But I think the difference is that I think the way Town's set up and the way they play, I don't think they need to go into that game with a massive amount of fear. It's a free hit in terms of just go into it, be tight, be compact, play how you want to play and yeah, who knows really? Who knows? I I genuinely...
0: There's certain games where we always go into a game as a writer and you think, what, you're trying to think, what is the tone going to be of this piece mm. afterwards win, lose, or draw. And I feel like with this game coming up, unless they lose, as you say, 5 0 or 5 1 again. And even to be honest, even it kind of almost even if they do, it's like look, this season is not going to be defined. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter that like if if Fulham do win five one, it'll be because Fulham have played brilliantly in all mm-hmm. likelihood, and. <sighs> I don't know, I always feel like just going to this game and I know this never works because we say this, every time we say this about a game we say it's a free hit and then they lose the fans are still as annoyed as if they're just, you know, lost to the bottom side, it's it's natural, but uh, yeah. For for me as as a as a sort of, you know, invested neutral as we always call ourselves, I'm just looking at that game thinking, don't put too much stock in, no. in in that result. But if they do get a draw or a win, brilliant. That is a massive, massive, massive result if they can get anything at Craven Cottage. I mean you look at the, we came away from that that draw against Sheffield United going oh I don't think that that points as much for either side and then we saw the results that came in on Saturday afternoon I mean QPR lost to Barnsley mm-hmm. uh, you know Forrest and Stoke drew that Bryce Sambrinston is the best thing I've seen all season by the way uh, that was brilliant Um so they both drop points. Um, West Brom and Blackburn play each other on Monday night, so at least one of them is going to drop points, maybe both of them. In midweek, Coventry drew, QPR and Borough drew with each other. West Brom lost. As you said, they, it seems like every time Town drop points, they get away with it. It feels like they've been fifth for about 12 years at this point.
1: They, had, they, they whiffed an entire month in November and it didn't really cost them. So... Uh, I I don't think me or you are quite believers in terms of playoffs yet because there's still a lot of football to be played and there's a lot of teams, to be frank, like there's a lot of games in hand to be played that Town can't do anything about. That's the issue there. At at the
0: moment, after those results, as, as high as we are on those results, their points per game as it stands would put them most seasons just below the playoff places so yeah which they do would need be to make, fine <laughs> they they do, yeah this is it we do need to keep saying it would be fine it's still a great season considering the expectations we had but uh yeah
1: yeah i, I it, but they keep you know they whiffed an entire month they they don't seem to be suffering when they do uh go through a little patch and that as i said i, I don't think either of us are quite believers yet but if you were looking for signs that's certainly a very, <laughs> a very positive one. That regardless, they just keep finding a way to stay in touch, and that's a very healthy habit <laughs> to have developed, isn't it?
0: And in fairness, they are fourteen unbeaten. It's not like exactly. it's, not, it's yeah. not like they've just lost six. You know, they've um, you know they've still been picking up points even when um, games where they've not been at the best. They picked up points. Games where they've been at the best, <laughs> like
1: mm. like that game uh, against Sheffield United. And they yeah. haven't got the win, but. You know, and you got to, like, in terms of positive signs, you've got to look at the squad as a whole at the moment as well. We've just spent a whole podcast basically breaking down a lot of player by player positions from a game. They've got so many options on the bench now. Carol Eiting didn't feature at all against Sheffield United. Mm. They, I think it was, I can't remember who didn't get against Preston, but basically one sort of big first team player doesn't feature in every game they've got tino andrewin to to come back they've got players developing on the fringes the likes of scott high etc they, they this is the healthiest position huddersfield town have been in take the league completely out of it take the 14 game on and run at completely out of it this is the healthiest position huddersfield town have been in since me and you took over this podcast steve right now and mm-hmm. that's quite remarkable really that's quite remarkable and it's also it's it's. there's been a lot of long term work that has gone into it but it's also happening in a far shorter time frame than I think even me or you realistically expected it to happen oh, absolutely. Um, so you've got to you know you've just got to enjoy the ride a little bit at the minute haven't you and games like Fulham if you lose you lose (laughs) if you lose you lose it shouldn't detract from all of the other good stuff is the thing isn't it that's why it feels slightly free hit to me if I'm honest
0: also the fact that their games after that are Cardiff Birmingham and Peterborough um which are all games you'd expect them to win so yeah I don't I don't think they win they will win all three because you know that that is never how it works but they're all winnable games in Iceland yeah
1: and that cardiff game 5 pound on the day or whatever it is yeah. it should be packed again it's half term you know yeah. quite right they're quite right in saying the kids don't have to go to bed just try and get down and enjoy it you know if, if you never know in football what's around the corner and things could go the wrong way before the end of the season who knows you have to live in the moment so it's what it's it's worth just enjoying where they are right at this minute yeah there we go
0: i'm on holiday now i'm going to edit this stick it out I think we've said yesterday so many times that I'm just going to have to put it out on Sunday, Dave. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I'm on holiday until the Fulham game, so I'll be back that morning uh, for, for that game. But Dave will take you through the rest of the week, so get following at David Hartrick on Twitter uh, for all your updates at Examiner HTAFC as well. Uh, people should probably buy a book as well, I reckon, Dave.
1: Yes, yeah silver linings on Bobby Robson's England but yes you have me this week so I look forward to lots of the has anybody got Mel Booves number in the comments on articles and when is Stephen Chicken back again question mark in the other ones I look forward to a lot of that this week beautiful always nice and uh, yeah we'll see you next time thanks
0: for joining us as ever goodbye